Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 15th September 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This time, Biomarin's next chapter, Amgen's obesity plans, Daiichi's new ADC data, Acelerin hits by clinical failure, and Skyrizi beats Stellara in Crohn's disease. Biomarin Pharmaceutical is maturing as a company and the focus is on growing profitability while advancing multiple products in the pipeline at the same time. The US firm's management said during an R&D day in New York on 12th September. Biomarin is turning into a financial growth story whereby we have the luxury of being able to grow the profitability of the company as we have in the past few quarters while continuing to invest in research and development to ensure a successful future of Biomarin beyond the end of the decade, CEO Jean-Jacques Biename said. For most of Biomarin's 25-year history, the company has focused on developing enzyme replacement therapies for ultra-rare indications, and while it brought several to market, it never achieved profitability, Jessica Merrill writes. The situation is changing now as the company has continued to add to its commercial portfolio while still generating returns from mature franchises that have been resistant to generic and biosimilar competition. The company has two big new growth drivers on its hands, Voxzogo for achondroplasia and Roctavian, the first gene therapy approved in the US and Europe for haemophilia A. Biomarin has outlined the goal to investors to reach four to $5 billion in revenue by the middle of the decade, more than double the 2.09 billion generated in 2022. The key difference going forward is that Biomarin will have the resources to develop multiple drugs in parallel, the CEO said, something that was not always the case. Driven by that greater financial flexibility, Biomarin has a goal to file nine INDs in the US by 2026. The company's 2023 business plan calls for roughly $750 million in R&D spending, and the plan is to maintain the same level of spending next year as a percent of revenue. This means that because we are expecting significant revenue growth next year, if we maintain that level of investment constant on a percentage of revenue basis, that will translate to a significant amount of R&D spend, Chief Financial Officer Brian Muller said. In the near term, much of the focus remains on expanding the indications for Voxogo and Roctavian while advancing the next wave of drug candidates, which could take some time to reach the market. Amgen is hoping to be a competitive player in the red-hot obesity market, despite being well behind frontrunners Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly. The company is studying two drugs in clinical trials for obesity and has others in preclinical development. Jessica Mel writes, CEO Robert Bradway told investors the company is planning to make a significant investment in the therapeutic area during a presentation at the Morgan Stanley Healthcare Conference on 12th September. Amgen's goal is to ultimately bring more than one product to the market for obesity, Bradway said. The company's most advanced drug in the therapeutic area is AMG133, a bispecific GIPR antagonist and GLP-1 receptor agonist, which is in phase two testing with data expected in 2024. Amgen also has another orally administered drug in phase one, as well as other drugs in preclinical development, though it has not disclosed the mechanisms of action of those drugs for competitive reasons. Obesity is not going to be a disorder or disease that's treated by one or two or three molecules, Bradway said. 
We would expect that this will prove over time to be a heterogeneous disease, and therefore a disease where many different therapies play a role, and we at Amgen have a number of different therapies that are in progress. Investment will include a broad Phase 3 programme for AMG133, depending upon a successful Phase 2 data readout that will include studies designed to demonstrate the efficacy of the drug on weight loss, but also on other chronic diseases. Lilly's rival, the GLP-1 GIP agonist Munjaro, which is approved for diabetes and is awaiting US approval for obesity, is also undergoing testing in a large cardiovascular outcomes trial, though the timeline for a data readout is not until 2027. Lilly and Novo Nordisk are also developing oral obesity drugs, as is Pfizer, which is studying the GLP-1 agonist Danugliprin in Phase 2b. Novo Nordisk remains in the lead on the oral front, however. Our growing belief, partly based on genetics, partly based on the clinical data that's emerging in the field, is that obesity is causal, not just associated with causal to a number of other important chronic diseases, Bradway said. With AMG133, Amgen believes it could have a drug with a differentiated profile from Wagovi and Munjaro because of its once-monthly dosing and early data suggesting impressive weight loss and the possibility of better durability after treatment is stopped. Antibody drug conduits, or ADCs, were a feature at the World Congress on Lung Cancer meeting in Singapore including data from the first ADC that Daiichi Sankyo is developing independently of longtime partner AstraZeneca. Alaric Diamond writes that the two companies remain undaunted in developing the TROP2-directed ADC Datapotamab Deruxtecan, or DATODXD, in non-small cell lung cancer, having presented data from the Phase 1b Tropion Lung 04 study combining it with AstraZeneca's PD-L1 inhibitor in Finzi, with or without carboplatin, saying that the combination showed encouraging responses without new safety signals among first-line patients. On top of its ongoing development of DATO-DXD, Daiichi Sankyo is expanding its Derex-Tekan platform into other lung cancer targets and presented updates at the meeting on those programs. The most advanced of these is Patritumab Derex-Tekan, a HER3-directed ADC for which the drug maker presented data from the Phase 2 HERTHENA Lung 01 study in heavily pretreated patients with EGFR-mutated metastatic NSCLC. The results showed a 29.8% overall response rate among 225 patients, along with median progression-free survival of 5.5 months and median overall survival of 11.9 months. Based on the results, Daiichi Sankyo said it plans to submit for US approval in the second half of 2023, and it's the first ADC candidate that the Japanese company has developed with its in-house platform that it intends to market without AstraZeneca's assistance. Daiichi Sankyo is rolling out data in small cell lung cancer as well, with updated results from a phase 1-2 subgroup analysis for Ifinatamab and Derex-Tecan, a B7H3-directed ADC. ORR in the trial was 52.4% among 21 patients receiving the drug. Median PFS was 5.6 months and median OS 12.2 months. AstraZeneca and Daiichi also strengthened their case for NHER2 with survival data from the Destiny Lung 02 study 
that led to the drug's accelerated approval in previously treated HER2-mutant advanced NSCLC. The presented data showed a median PFS of 9.9 months at the 5.4 mg per kilogram dose level and 15.4 months at the 6.4 mg per kilogram dose, while median OS was 19.5 months at the 5.4 dose and was not reached at the 6.4 dose. The PFS and OS data should help build the case for NHER2, which is currently approved for HER2-positive and HER2-low breast cancer and HER2-positive gastric cancer, as well as the HER2-mutant NSCLC indication. See the full article for further details of the clinical results and other selected highlights for other drugs presented at the meeting. Accelerin was a rare success story in this year's moribund biotech IPO market, raising $540 million on Nasdaq in May in the third largest biotech flotation since 2018. Investors who piled in at the IPO price of $18 initially did nicely. The shares closed 11 September at $27.90. That changed overnight, however, Elizabeth Cairns writes. After the market closed, the company disclosed its lead candidate, Isokipep, had failed to distinguish itself from placebo in a phase 2b3 study in the skin disease Hydradenitis suppurativa, or HS. The shares tanked 60% on the news to open at $11.16, trading only slightly above cash. The disappointing data come from Part B of the study testing isokibep, a small protein that inhibits IL-17A, administered at 160mg dose weekly or fortnightly. Part A of the study, which was uncontrolled, reported encouraging but hardly conclusive data at the annual meeting of the American Academy of Dermatology in March. Primary endpoint of Part B was HS Clinical Response 75 or HISCR 75. The results did not meet statistical significance and a comparison with two other late-stage anti-IL-17 products, Novartis's antibody Cosentix and UCB's Bilmzelx, which inhibits IL-17A and IL-17F, showed Izakibep is some way behind the competition. The failure was a surprise given the success the other IL-17s have shown in HS. Acelerin gave two main reasons for the miss an unexpectedly high placebo response and more discontinuations than expected in the 160mg once a week treatment arm. The company said that the vast majority were not due to safety or tolerability, with CEO Xiaoli Lin saying the company was not seeing a pattern at all to the dropouts. Why patients who were responding to therapy and not seeing side effects might drop out of the trial remains a mystery. Neither could Lin give a reason for the high placebo rate. At this juncture, we really don't have a good explanation for why that should be happening, she said. The poor showing of Izokibep in the Phase 2b trial and the lack of clear explanation for it can only raise doubts about the Phase 3 study Acelerin initiated in the spring. On the call, Lin said there were modifications to this trial that the company might consider making, including enrolling more subjects. But even if the Phase 3 trial hits, modified or not, Accelerin will be playing catch-up. Cosentix is already approved in Europe for HS, and a US decision is expected this year. 
UCB, meanwhile, is awaiting a European approval decision for Bimselks in this indication, although it has said nothing about the antibody status in the US. Finally, already competing directly against Johnson & Johnson's Solara in psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis and Crohn's disease, AbbVie's Skyrizi notched a victory in the latter indication on 12 September, achieving non-inferiority on clinical remission and superiority on endoscopic remission in a phase 3 head-to-head -head trial, Joseph Haas writes. An IL-23 inhibitor, Skyrizi, is expected to bring in around $5.8 billion in 2023, according to Biomed Tracker. The drug was first approved to treat psoriasis in 2019 and cleared for moderate to severely active Crohn's in June 2022. It's typically used as a second-line therapy after Solara or anti-TNF agents like AbbVie's own Humira. Skyreasy, together with the JAK1 inhibitor Rinvoc, is central to AbbVie's long-standing strategy to replace the revenues top seller Humira is expected to lose to biosimilar competition. In the 527 patient head-to-head -head sequence study, Skyreasy achieved non-inferiority for clinical remission as defined by Crohn's disease activity index score of less than 150 at week 24 of treatment. Skyrizi yielded a 59% remission rate compared to 40% for the Stellar arm, more than meeting the 10% margin needed to show non-inferiority. Skyrizi achieved superiority on the co-primary endpoint of endoscopic remission at week 48, as 32% of patients getting the AbbVie drug achieved remission compared with 16% of those who received Stellara. Physicians already look favourably upon Skyrizi, so this type of direct head-to-head -head study will be useful to provide AbbVie the leverage that may be needed to convince payers to enable the use of Skyrizi as a preferred drug without first requiring patients to fail Stellara, said Data Monitor Healthcare Therapy Area Director for CNS and INI, Pamela Spicer. The analyst added that the sequence data could benefit other therapies in the selective IL-23 inhibitor class. The data also provide a positive read-through for additional IL-23 selective inhibitors targeting the IBD market like mirikizumab and tremphia and may potentially shelter those candidates from some of the erosion expected to come from Stellara biosimilars in the coming years if they are provided at parity with ustekinumab on formularies. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. And please see the link in the description below for links to all these stories in full, which formed just a small part of Scripps' global coverage last week. Sign in to access all of our content, or take out a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.